Well, good morning, Timberline. It's good to be with you this morning to worship together uh, and just to open God's Word together. I hope you are encouraged uh, and just blessed this morning uh, through God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to look at verses 2 to verse 10 uh, this morning. And we like to stand as we read God's Word. You can do that right in your house there. Uh, but we like to stand just because we believe that God's Word is God's Word. It came to us fully inspired by Him with full authority. And so it's a way of us just honoring uh, God's Word. So hear the Word of the Lord. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with joy, the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray this morning that you would encourage your church in your word today. That you would cause our hearts to, to well up with deep affection and love for you and the work that you have done in us and through us for your sake and for the sake of your gospel. And so Lord, uh, help me. Help me not to say more than you would want me to say in this text, but not to say any less than you would want me to say this morning. And I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder sometimes, um, and just consider, I guess, this morning, like, what is it that keeps you up at night at times? Like, like what are the things that, that typically cause you to be anxious? Uh, when you wrestle uh, with something and you have that sleepless night and there's things on your mind, um, are there certain things that, that cause you to do that? Um, I, the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians was, was struggling with and being, was actually anxious over the Thessalonian Christians. He was wrestling and, and in chapter 3, at the end of chapter 2 and the, and the beginning of chapter 3, uh, the Apostle Paul, in fact, just simply says that he could, he could, he could bear it no longer. Uh, he, was, he was so anxious that he couldn't bear it anymore that, that he says, in fact, in verse 1, that he and his companions, which was, uh, said, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy our brother and co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. And 
So Paul was anxious about what was going on back in Thessalonica. You see that the story of how the church in Thessalonica began was that all the way back in Acts chapter 15 and, and 16, we see that Paul is traveling uh, across Asia and God closes some doors. And yet, uh, in closing some doors and not allowing the gospel to be preached, it, it, we find in Acts chapter 16 that the Apostle Paul uh, is given a, a, a vision or a dream in the middle of the night that he needs to go over to the Macedonians, that they were, they were open to the gospel. And so, uh, in fact, if you think about how it is, uh, when you think of the Great Commission, when Jesus says that all authority has been given to me, therefore go therefore and make disciples, when you think about that, uh, of, of what that authority looks like, uh, we see a picture of it that Jesus is the one in charge of the mission field. He's the one who directs our steps. Paul walked all the way through Asia and didn't preach any gospel there. Uh, God didn't allow him. But God had a place where Paul, where the people were open for the gospel, where he had called Paul to go, and it was to Macedonia. And so Paul lands in Philippi in chapter 16 and and you know the story of the Philippian jailer in chapter 16. And then in chapter 17, uh, Paul comes to Thessalonica and he preaches the gospel. And, and the, the circumstance was he preaches the gospel there, but these, these Jewish leaders in the city stirred up all kinds of trouble for Paul. And so Paul, uh, they, they begin to persecute the church. These Christians are probably, these, this, this church that's kind of gathered up there, um, who, who are new believers, they're probably three weeks old, maybe, maybe a month along in their faith. And total chaos happens. And so they, they encourage Paul to escape. And so Paul escapes Thessalonica. He moves on, goes to Athens and Berea, and eventually Corinth. And, but Paul, as he's traveling away, these Christians are facing serious persecution. You find in Acts 17 that they drug Jason, and that was the, the leader of the house in which the church was meeting there, these new believers, they drug him out into the streets with, with his companions and were threatening their lives and made them pay money. It, it was total chaos. And so you can imagine as new Christians having to endure this kind of hardship, uh, it, it was pretty significant. And so Paul is concerned, deeply concerned, and even troubled in his soul that somehow their faith would be shipwrecked, that somehow that somehow his preaching of the gospel was in vain because under the stress and persecution uh, that they would, they would, they would uh, basically renounce their faith. And he was concerned whether or not he had preached in vain. His biggest concern was whether or not the gospel had truly taken root in their lives and that they were able to stand firm even in the face of these serious trials that they were in. And we find in Thessalonians... Um, this is what kept Paul up at night. In fact, we find that in Corinth, in the Corinthian letters as well. He's, he's concerned constantly that people are actually growing in their faith, that the gospel had taken root in their lives. This was his major concern, so much so that he is under such stress, and we find in Thessalonians chapter 3, that he stops on the mission field, and he, he must do something to find out how the Thessalonians are doing. And so he sends Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out. And that's really what prompted the writing of this letter. Paul receives news. In fact, you can tell a lot about us often by what we 
what keeps us up at night, what really makes us anxious. And you can also tell a lot about us oftentimes by what actually brings us comfort. Um, I was thinking about this quite personally because uh, a couple Saturday nights ago when I was in Montana, um, I, I received a phone call in the middle of the night. And uh, it concerned a family member and I was, and it was because of, of just some chaos and I was so frustrated and so angry at a certain person um, that I didn't sleep the rest of that night. And it, it was probably 1.30 in the morning when this happened. And, and I, was, I was so mad and so angry. And I'm thinking about this very passage. And I thought, you know, um, what am I really upset about? What am I really anxious? What am I mad about? What am I angry about? Am I, am I actually angry when it comes to this person and what this person is doing to someone else? Uh, am I angry with her and what she's doing? To, and, and, I, and I'm just like mad about her behavior and so forth. Or, or am I really concerned and in angst over the fact that she needs Jesus? Over the fact that that the reality is, is that she does not know the truth of, of Christ. She doesn't know the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection and one day restoration. She doesn't know any of that. And am I, am I concerned about that? Or am I just mad that she's behaving badly and hurting people? And it really convicted me and, and, and to the point where I, I had to, pray that God would change my heart and would cause me to be able to pray for, for her to come to know Jesus. That that's what should be the thing that creates an angst in us. And so I, I ask you this morning, like, what is it that really creates anxiety over your neighbors and your family members? Are, are we oftentimes concerned most, like the number one concern is that people would know Christ, that they would know the truth of the gospel and concern that they don't. Um, and then it also says a lot about how we are then comforted because Paul sends Timothy back to Thessalonica and Timothy then reports this news basically that the, that the Thessalonians had stood firm in their faith, that his, his preaching was not in vain, that, it, that he really, that it had taken root in their lives. And he was so encouraged by this and so comforted. He says, he even says that when Timothy came back in verse 6, he says, but now Timothy has come to us and he's brought us this good news of your faith, the Thessalonians' faith, and he says that, and not only that, but that the Thessalonians remember Paul with, with lots of fondness. They think of them kindly. And then Paul says in verse 7, For this reason, brothers, talking to the Thessalonians, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Think of this. Now Paul is saying that because I realize that the gospel has taken root in your life, Hearing the good news that, it's, that they've stood firm in their faith, Paul says, this is what has comforted them. And he says, it's not just comforted them to go, whew, they've stood firm in the faith, but he says, it's actually given him comfort in the midst of all of his other affliction and all of his other distress, which was a lot. And so 
the thing that brought Paul the most comfort in life was seeing that the gospel had taken root in people's lives, that it had bore fruit, lasting, life-changing, transforming fruit. Um, man, I would love to say that this is what distresses me most and comforts me most, but oftentimes it's not. Oftentimes it's I'm distressed over far less things, far more things that are just petty and small and tiny, especially in the midst of a pandemic. It's easy to, to be up in arms as, as I can find myself and be concerned and frustrated about all kinds of stuff. But, but are we as Christians really concerned that people would know Jesus, that they would know the gospel and that we would be able to see and be comforted by the fruit of the gospel in people's lives. And so this is how Paul and why Paul writes this letter. In 1 Thessalonians, getting to our text that we read, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul is writing then in response to Timothy's good news. This great news has come to him. He's so excited and so he writes these these words to, to the Thessalonians just to encourage them and to, and to help teach them and further instruct them in the gospel. And so in chapter 1, he, there's, there's three things that he says is, is, gives, him thanks, uh, the, gives him actually the desire to give thanks to God on their behalf. And he says we, we constantly give thanks. And he says there's these three things. And, and all of chapter 1 is really just showing the evidence. It's Paul encouraging them with the evidence of their faith, that, that he sees this fruit of the gospel in their lives, and he's just reiterating it back to them to say, man, I'm, I'm so encouraged because of these things that have been reported to me from Timothy as he has come back. And the, he says, we constantly mention you in our prayers, in verse 3, remembering before our God and Father three things, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. And so the first things that, that Paul sees and has been reported to him about their faith is that their work of, their work of faith, really the phrase there means they have working faith. You see, genuine faith, the kind of faith that is produced in us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of His Word is, is actually a faith that works. It is, it is a faith that changes and transforms and shapes our lives and motivates us to go to work, to, to be a faithful witnesses. And he says, your faith, you Thessalonians, what, I've, what has been reported to me is that your faith is a working faith. It's a faith that works. And then he says, your, your labor, not only has it been reported that you have a working faith, but you have a labor of love. I love that term, labor of love. That, that there's a sense in which they are laboring, they are working, they, they, are, they are seeking and desiring to pour out and love, the love of God that is in them, to pour that out, to have that spill over in other people's lives. And they are laboring in love, caring for one another. In fact, he's going to say at the end of this text that that's what's been reported all over. Like everyone else is hearing about the kind of faith and the kind of love that, that these Thessalonians have. And then he says, not only that, but you have a steadfastness of hope. That is their hope. And hope is, the hope that the Bible talks about is not the same as say, uh, you know, if I write a check and on Friday and I hope that by Monday I have enough money in there to cover it. That's not the kind of hope 
that's in the Bible, then when the Bible talks about hope, it's talking about something that is firm and sure, something that is absolutely certain. And so he's saying that their certain hope, their confidence, is so root, firmly rooted in God and in, in, in his, what he's doing in them. He says that it's steadfast, that it's a persevering kind of hope that stands firm, and their hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have a steadfastness of hope. And Paul uses these three things often to describe our faith. He says that faith, hope, and love, these are the, the three things. They have a work of faith, a labor of love, and a steadfastness of hope. So he, and then he says in verse 4, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He, God, has chosen you. In other words, we know that God has placed His favor on you. And how do we know that? How do you know that in your own life, in my life? How, how is it that you can look at me and say, I, I know Chris Gorman, or I can look at you and say, I know that God's favor is upon your life. Well, because of the fruit. The fruit that only the Spirit of God can produce in us. It, it is a supernatural thing. And so, so Paul's going to say to them, here's how I know. He says, because... Our gospel, that is the good news of Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection. He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word. So Paul's saying, when when I came to Thessalonica and I, I proclaimed the gospel, I didn't only proclaim it in words. It wasn't simply words. It is not less than words. Obviously, the gospel is the good news that is spoken and proclaimed through words. That, but he says, it came to you not only in words, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That's incredible. How does Paul know that God's favor rests upon the Thessalonian people? How do we know God's favor rests upon us, that God is at work in us? It's because the gospel has come to us, not just in word, but it's come to us in power. That the gospel is powerful. I love what Paul says in Corinthians where he says, he says that the, the, the word of the gospel says, came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Well, not only in word, but he says with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And Paul sees the fruit of the gospel and he says it shows that the gospel came to you with power transforming, life-changing, rescuing power. And he says, and he says, with power and in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is that which, which applies the truth of the gospel to our lives and drives it deep and regenerates and transforms our spirits and opens our eyes to see this truth. And then the, the last thing he says, not only with power and in the Holy Spirit, but he says with full conviction. In other words, how do they know? Because the Thessalonians were fully convinced of the truth of the gospel. So much so that when the authorities came and drugged them out of their house and accused them of all kinds of false things, they, they were willing to be beaten and willing to go through whatever and they would not renounce their faith. They stood firm in their faith no matter what. They were fully convinced of the truth of the gospel, that it was more precious than their own lives, than their money, than their, than their families, than anything on this earth. They were fully convinced. That is, they had full 
conviction in their lives. Are you today fully convinced? I pray that the gospel has come to you as it has to me in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. I pray that we at Timberline and anyone who's listening, that we would be those who through the power of God's Spirit, through the word of the gospel being preached, the power of the Spirit, that we would be those who would be fully convinced of this truth, that it would change everything. But he doesn't stop there. He says, not only, not only does this gospel come with power in the Holy Spirit, but with full conviction, but he says, you know, brothers, he goes on, what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Well, you know, brothers, what kind of men. So it's not just that Paul's saying it's not just the message that was preached, and it's not just the fact that it came in power and the Spirit and full conviction, but it also matters who's preaching the message. <laughs> He's saying that, that the message was proclaimed by men whose lives we're, we're setting an example whose lives demonstrated godliness. And so he says, you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. In other words, Paul was, they, they themselves, the messengers, were living out the gospel. They weren't hypocrites in that sense. They, they believed also the very message that they were proclaiming. You can tell, can't you? When someone actually believes what they're saying, when someone's actually fully convinced of something, you can tell this, Right? And Paul's saying, you know the way in which we came. You saw our way of life. In fact, we know this because in verse 5 or verse 6, he says, And you, Thessalonians, another evidence that God's favor rests upon them, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with great joy in the Holy Spirit. I love that. He says, how do we know? That the Spirit of God's at work in you, because you not only just believed in your head these things, but you were fully convinced it changed everything, and so much so that you began to live and imitate Paul's way of life as he lived and imitated Jesus and his way of life. That's, that's the ultimate evidence that Paul's giving. He's saying, you not only just heard what we said, and said, oh, Paul, that's a really good sermon you gave. No, you actually begin to live like we live. As we are living like Jesus lived. And this is, this is for us as Christians, this is the ultimate picture of discipleship. That people just wouldn't hear what we say, but they would see our way of life. And as they come to believe in the truth of the words of the gospel and that truth powerfully transforms their hearts and they become convinced of it, they would also see in us an example of the way that we ought to live as we live like Christ. And they would follow us as we follow Christ. Paul is commending them for being this kind of people. People who actually are imitating genuine, faithful, gospel living. May that be true of every single one of us. And then Paul also doesn't stop there. He says, so that, so not only are, are they imitating Paul, and he says the way in which they've imitated him also is, 
is that they received the word, even in much affliction. So they've stood firm to this word. They've received it, even in much affliction, with joy in the Holy Spirit. Right? But he says, so that you, Thessalonians, have become an example to all the believers throughout Macedonia and Achaia. So, so they're imitating Paul, and by them who's imitating Jesus, and by them imitating Paul who's imitating Jesus, they're becoming an example to other churches and all the believers throughout the region, and, and, and they're encouraging, and others are beginning to imitate them. He says, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. People are hearing. Paul's going to these different churches. And before Paul even says a word about how, what God's doing in the, amongst the Thessalonians, they've already heard about it. And they're telling Paul about how the Thessalonians are doing. They're encouraging Paul with what Paul already knows. But he's encouraged by the fact that, they're, that they're, they're, their lives have had such an impact that other people are talking about their faith and are encouraged by it. Man, may that be true of us. Let our lives count in that way. Let, let people not only hear the words of the gospel that we say, but let them see our way of life. And may it be, may it be so in line with Christ that people would, people would hear of our faith in the Lord and be encouraged by it. He says, verse 9, they, they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had and how you turned to God. I love this. What are they reporting? <laughs> They're reporting the kind of reception that Paul had among the Thessalonians. But he says, and how the Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So what is it that, they're, that people are hearing about of these Thessalonians? Is that they, they, were, they were a repentant people. That they were idol worshipers. They used to worship themselves and, and their, own, their own selfish desires. They were pursuing their own thing. And they have turned away and they have turned to serve the living and true God. And this is what people are talking about. Man, these people have been changed and transformed by this gospel truth. Again, because it came in power and the Holy Spirit with full conviction. It had so changed them that they had turned away from all earthly pursuits. They had turned away from all those things that had taken them away from God. And they had turned instead to embrace the living and the true God. May this be what people see in us. A people who have turned away from these 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 pursuits that are empty and meaningless and we would turn to that one pursuit that makes all the difference the pursuit of God and his glory in all of his holiness may this be true of us may people speak of Timberline Baptist Church may people speak of Christians all throughout this region as those who are repentant who've been so transformed that they turned away from the things of this world and then he says that they are a people who are waiting for Jesus' or for God's Son, Jesus, from heaven, whom God has raised from the dead. It is this Jesus who, by his death, burial, and resurrection from the dead, it's this Jesus who has delivered us from the wrath to come. What a glorious picture. You see, Paul is simply encouraging them with all of these, all these things that I've said. He's encouraging them with, 
by, by speaking back to them the evidence of their faith. Here's what Paul has said he sees among you and has come back to me and he, he's, he's telling them about this fruit, what the gospel has produced in their life and he's rejoicing in this and he's saying, he's praising God for these Thessalonians and he's so encouraged by this fruit. May this be true of us. May the thing that brings us the most comfort as Christians is when we look at each other, when we see our, our brothers and our sisters in Christ, when we see their lives, we can be encouraged by the fruit of the gospel that we see in them. We can build each other up with this fruit. We can point out the evidence of our faith, the, the, the actual evidence that God's favor has come upon us in Christ. And we can rejoice in this. May this be the thing that brings us the most comfort. May nothing else bring us as much comfort as this. There are, lots of, there are lots of things that can bring us anxiety and there are lots of things that can bring us comfort. But may this be our highest comfort. May the, may the thing that even bothers us the most, like, like Paul, that would give us a sleepless night, would be the fact that the gospel has been proclaimed in vain. That, that it hasn't taken root. That it hasn't produced the kind of fruit that leads to life. May this, may this be the thing that that troubles us about our neighbors and our friends. May we love people to the point where we want nothing more than for them to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom that God has called us into, in Christ, into the best of all possible lives. And we want everyone to experience that life, life in Christ. And so I pray that we could encourage one another we can be comforted by the fruit of the gospel that we see in each other's lives. And we would pray that this fruit of the gospel would go forth from here to our neighborhoods, to our friends, to our families, to our nation, and ultimately to the ends of the earth, to the glory of God. May God bless you. May God encourage you. May God strengthen you. And I pray that the gospel has come to you today in, in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. That you and I together would be fully convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. That he lived a perfect life on this earth for us. That he died a death on the cross for us, for sin. And that he was raised to eternal life to the glory of the Father, and one day will restore all things, not only back to the way they ought to be, but even better, even better. May this encourage your heart today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your church. May we be comforted and strengthened by the truth of the gospel. May we be able to encourage one another with the fruit of the gospel that we see being produced by the power of your Spirit in each other's lives. But God, we pray that this fruit would continue to well up and to grow and that we would become so full, so full of your grace and so full of your holiness, so full, God, that it would spill out of our lives. That this joy and this, this satisfaction, this peace that we have with God would spill out and it would, it would infect others that they would be able to also taste and see that you are truly good. And so, Father, um, man... May your gospel go forth and may we rejoice in it.
as it produces that kind of fruit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Tim Miller.